Wednesday, uh, we got another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance for you. So you mix those wonderfuls together, you get a Paul Orndorff. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that was an outdated joke. Uh, I, I also, like <laughs> most times, have my amazing uh, compadre, uh, my co-host, Chris, Christopher, Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great now that we started the show off with uh, just talking over the NWO entrance and a reference to Paul Orndorff. It's going to be one hell of a night. My body's it's going to be a wonderful night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, man, what a week in wrestling. And uh, I just I, I had a uh, a fun time, Chris. I was at a thing called Monday Night Raw. And I think we were talking about this. It was definitely a Raw uh, to be at uh, compared to some other stuff in the past. Usually, I would, like, I literally told my buddy Hoyt when he asked me if I wanted to go, no, I'm good, man. Let's go to SmackDown again the next time it's in town. And he convinced me to go. So thank you, Hoyt. It's because of you that I went. And I got to see, at the end of it, my two favorite wrestlers of all time, Sting and Shawn Michaels, in the ring together with Ricky Steamboat, Kurt Angle, Triple H, and, uh, well, Stephanie was there too. But still, nonetheless, we got, we got that to get to. We got SmackDown to get to. And we got the news. So let's start that whole entire thing out and talk about some of the things that happened this last week. Unfortunately, I will just admit right now, I need to get better about watching New Japan. I missed uh, their event that they had, I believe, with Ring of Honor. Um, I'm going to go back and watch it, and maybe we'll try to cover it next week. I kind of screwed up, but I was insanely busy this weekend. I meant to, but we'll we'll get back on track uh, next week. Uh, Chris, did you get a chance to watch that at all? So I don't feel so bad. Oh man, do not feel bad at all. This is one that I have I've wa- only watched about half of, and and mostly just highlights. Um, yeah, so I think we're kind of on the same page. And this is uh, yeah, this has been a, a rough week for me as well, time wise. But uh, I think it's something we definitely should get back to um, and, and hit up. But yeah, I'm in the same thing. I, I missed uh, I missed. So unfortunately, I don't have a lot of input on it, other than the the couple the the first two matches of the night were were pretty decent, but that's about as far as I got, unfortunately. Well, good. That's at least something, and we'll try to get more information next week for you guys. But we do have a lot of uh, information uh, pertaining to the WWE this week. A lot of stuff got dropped. Uh, some of some people dropped, if you will. Um, one person in particular was gained. But let's talk about. 
the, the second official signee uh, inductee, I should say, to the WWE Hall of Fame. The Honky Tonk Man will be entering the, the, the uh, Hall of Fame. I'm going to admit, uh, due to legacy, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, but maybe it's because he was that good of a heel, but I always couldn't stand the Honky Tonk Man. I thought he kind of sucked ass. Um, so I hope that there's some type of interaction in the future with Elias, Chef Chariot, and the Honky Tonk Man, and everyone gets a guitar to the head. I think that would be worth it. Uh, but, hey, you know, like I said, maybe the th- reasons why I didn't like him is because he was that good of a heel. I know he's a, uh, whatchamacallit, Jerry Lawler's cousin. Uh, he was an extremely long-run um, uh, Intercontinental Champion. I believe, I think that he lost to Macho Man Randy Savage, possibly, and that's what that's how the Mega Powers got formed. I don't remember. It's been so long. But, Chris, either way, so I don't ramble and make myself look stupid, um, what do you think about the Honky Tonk Man getting inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame? I So I'm torn because he is considered the longest reigning intercontinental champion, right? So on Legacy, if you're going to say that, I think you know he worked with a lot of really good workers, uh, you know, Jake Snake, um, Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, he had a great match with Ultimate Warrior, probably one of Warrior's best matches, honestly. I think that's pinpoint him, you know, that he lost his title. He put he put Ultimate Warrior over um, to get Ultimate Warrior's first Intercontinental title, like very quick, but did a good job of selling. And, and the fact that he put him over probably, to me, his biggest moment, but he did hold the belt for 450 days. As an Intercontinental title, you know, as the Intercontinental champion, which during that time period, that title meant a lot. Like, that basically meant you were right under the heavyweight champion on the pecking order of how over you were as, like, a healer or face. Um, Put that in perspective. That's, like, double the amount of time, I think, that Macho Man held it during that same time period, and Macho Man was consistently booked under Hogan as, like, the IC champion for a long period of time, so... It's, it makes sense. I, I thought for sure he would be someone that they kind of steered clear of because he does even more, to me, even more so than like a Jim Cornette shits on the product without being informed about the products and has had very negative things to say about a lot of the people during his reign. Um, uh, it's a weird choice. Who knows? I mean, I, don't have a problem with it. It's just one of those things that, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge honky tonk fan. I'm not a huge fan of his podcast. I, him as a wrestler, he, he had a gimmick that worked um, during that time period of wrestling. And, and obviously I think he was a pretty good in ring hand, but you know, outside of that, man, it's just really hard to get hyped about the honky tonk man after you're telling me all of DX is going in, you know, like that's kind of where I'm at with it. <laughs> not really a big, big problem with it, but, and, you know, they're going to base it on the merit of him being the Intercontinental Champion for so long, which maybe coming out of this, we get, like, a really good IC push. If, you know, Balor's, Balor's Intercontinental Champion right now. Maybe he holds that some bitch for a couple of years and rebuilds it and makes it an actual thing that people are excited about seeing and not just a belt that's kind of, well, I guess that person can go for the IC title because right now it doesn't make sense with them in the heavyweight picture. See, that's that's the problem with some of your titles not meaning anything. It's because that's how 
people are going to look at it. So maybe that's why they're going with it. Give him the run to break honky tonks. But you know, the only problem is, is like, do you want to see like Balor hold the belt, the IC belt for 450 something days? Um, who knows? I, it's a weird choice to me just because he doesn't like current products as, as he clearly points out on every shoot or podcast that he does and he has a lot of heat with a lot of other wrestlers he must have respect for Vince and there may be a mutual respect thing there but outside of that it's um, it's kind of a weird thing it, it, especially with some of the other news we're going to talk about later and, and kind of how he feels about uh, Bruce Pritchard is very similar to the way um, you know Jim Cornette feels about him so uh, we'll, I guess we'll see how things unfold yeah, you know, I, I had no idea Honky Tonk Man had a podcast. And his, listen to, like, I have, I can listen to Cornette. I can just block out the stuff and just laugh to myself because he can be a little bit ridiculous. And I'm, I know you're the same way, but he has a lot of uh, of information. I feel like listening to Honky Tonk talk about the industry would be almost the same level as listening to fucking Disco Inferno. So, uh, yeah, I could care less. I don't think I'll ever check that out. But, hey, good on him. You're right, 454 days as Intercontinental Champ. I got my my stories mixed up. He was going against Randy Savage. Randy Savage almost beat him, uh, but he had the Hart Foundation and Jimmy Hart at ringside. They started beating the crap out of Savage, and Elizabeth went and got Hulk Hogan. That was the start of the Mega Powers, and then also he would lose the belt finally to Ultimate Warrior. So, I mean, he has been a part of big moments in WWE, um, he's, you know, the honky-tonk man. He's the honky-tonk man. Like I said, this has to have a segment with fucking Elias and, and Jeff Jarrett in it. It just, it just screams, please happen. Um, or just put him in the ring with Brock Lesnar, because that would be awesome. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> oh, God, that Sorry, would be the, great. The thought no, of honky, no. like honky-tonk man now trying to wrestle a match with Brock. Just one Hey, man, don't even time. mess with me. <laughs> I'm the honky top man. I had the the intercom. <laughs> Damn it! I'm not even trying. All right. So un- unfortunately, some guys were granted releases that they uh, you know requested. Some or one in particular was let go uh, due to apparently building up a bad behavior within the back and just being completely unhappy. Um, before we get into it, I think that WWE and I've said this before. I think it should be. If people are not happy and they want to leave, don't do what you did to Neville, basically. Let them go because you have such a huge – you have more, like, talent pumping into NXT, and NXT is overflowing with talent. You know, you can replenish your own roster with the people that you already have in place. So these three guys in particular I think are going to do fine outside of it, and we'll kind of, you know, give a somewhat, you know um, – basically where we think that they can go uh, in the future. But, you know, obviously you guys heard Ted Dillinger and Hito Atami both asked for their release. They were both granted their release. Uh, Cody was on an interview, I believe, with uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet uh, with Ryan Satin that I listened to. Uh, maybe it was Busted Open. I'm not 100% sure. But he said a lot of good things about Ty. I didn't know that Ty actually uh, was someone that helped him out uh, when he first started in developmental because Ty is actually a lot older than he looks. He's been actually wrestling for quite some time. He's in his late uh, 30s, I believe. 
Uh, maybe he's actually in his early 40s. I don't remember exactly. But, um, you know, and Cody and him were on a tag team together. And the, and the question was, I believe, not saying, you know, would you pick him for AEW? And all Cody said was a very diplomatical answer that uh, any company, whether it be AEW, whether it be Impact, whether it be MLW, would be really, uh, you know, they would be – very good to have a talent like Ty basically within their ranks. So that was a very nice thing to say. I mean, that could just be whatever him just, you know, just be playing face, uh, if you will. But um, nonetheless, that was a nice example of, of, of someone. I don't know where Ty can go. I think impact actually is a good place for Ty. I think that he can really, um, you know, play the, the impact MLW crowd. They seem to be able to work with all their talents together. So, um, AEW, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe because of the past relationship with, with Cody, he can see potential in him. Um, he just never got a chance really to develop in NXT when he was catching on. He was brought up way too soon, and then they didn't do anything with him. He's, I think he's a pretty good in-ring in hand, um, and he's got a gimmick that got over. And that's one thing that Cody said, that you know it's hard to get something over. He did. But obviously, WWE didn't really know what to do with him. Then we have Heido Itami, a.k.a. Kenta Kobayashi, um, trained by Kenta Kobayashi. Uh, incredible entering wrestler for his career within All Japan and then also um, uh, over in Ring of Honor. Um, and uh, just another underutilized wrestler. Um, I'm glad he's not going to be on 205 Live. I definitely think that he's going over... Uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, you know, possibly maybe New Japan. I would love to see Kenta on New Japan because he has a very similar flavor, I think, to Shibata in a way. And they could use someone that's like one of those stone cold uh, fighters, but is also pretty agile. So it's different. Um, and then uh, TJP, TJ Perkins, who was just let go. Um, he's been complaining and saying that he wanted to, wanted to go and, Apparently, there's a lot of problems with them. Who knows exactly the extent of it? Um, but, uh, I mean, TJP is a phenomenal wrestler. I definitely think that you could see him showing up on Impact. Um, now that Austin Aries is coming back, uh, you know, they can kind of do something with the character Suicide. Obviously, I don't think they call him Suicide anymore, but both of them have, you know, uh, held that character, if you will, throughout its uh, thing. So maybe... He attacks Austin Aries, and Austin Aries is like, you're not him, I was him. Something to that extent. He can do stuff. He'll be, he'll be fine. Uh, but, you know, this is going to continue to happen, uh, and I think, unfortunately, it needs to happen, but I don't think any of the guys, especially because of the industry and where we're at today, are going to do bad. I think all of them will do fine. Um, and the fact that they were ex-WWE wrestlers is that much bigger of a credential, I believe. Uh, Chris, what do you think about these three wrestlers uh, getting their releases? Uh, I want to start off with talking about Ty Dillinger because last week I totally botched like his fate. Well, my favorite match of his, it was AJ Styles versus Ty Dillinger versus Baron Corbin for the U S title at hell in a cell. It was in 2017. And like I said, then I think that was probably the last really good Ty Dillinger match I'd seen. I think he's uh, like just a character of unfortunate circumstances. I know he had some injury problems, and then the way they booked him didn't really help him out very much, and I think they may have pulled him up from the next T too soon. I think a lot of my thoughts on him reflect the same things that you, you've said, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. 
I think he's a really good fit for Ring of Honor, honestly. Um, going there to work with Dalton Castle or, or Jay Lethal and kind of recreating that character. My only worry is, will he be able to do his tin gimmick even under a different name, or does WWE own that? Um, hopefully they're going to let him have his gimmick to build on and, and do something fun on the indie scene, because I think it is kind of perfect for a smaller audience. Um, and hopefully even build it, you know, up more. And then who knows, maybe we'll see him in the WWE again one day. He kind of had a late start in wrestling as far as I, if, if I'm recalling correctly. So he is 38. Uh, I would think that he would try his best to go somewhere where he's going to get paid. But to me, a, a good landing spot for him would be um, Ring of Honor. And then maybe because they have that deal with New Japan working, uh, the working relationship with New Japan, for your G1 tournaments and stuff, trying to get involved in the G1. Um, and I feel very similar about Kenta. If, if Kenta's not somehow going to make it over to um, AEW, landing spot for him as well would be so, like either New Japan or Ring of Honor, where you can kind of go back and forth between the two. It just, you know, with Kenta, he may want to go just straight Japan, the straight Japan route. And I wouldn't eliminate just all Japan pro wrestling either for Kenta. I think that there's probably enough love there that he could he could end up there as well. But it's one of those things where you go from being yeah being on American TV straight to well, New Japan does have an American TV show on Access that it's it's a little delayed, but it's it's there. That that would be my only thing. It depends, you know, what what how often they want to work and and all of, all of those different things. I would assume Kenta would want to get pushed pretty heavily, and I don't know that AEW's the right off the bat place to go. But if he went somewhere like Impact, I think that you could you could book him well enough to get him up to the top pretty quick against someone like Eddie Edwards or uh, John Morrison. So he he's a name that I would float out there. TJP, I've never really like loved decent in the Cruiserweight Classic, but he also went against some really, really good wrestlers. I know that he was trained by, uh, of course, I'm going to forget his name, the Pirate himself, uh, but I, I just he just never did anything with me. The dab thing I thought was already kind of played out before he started doing it. The gimmick really never clicked. And then outside of that Cruiserweight tournament, I think his initial run with the, the title belt for 205 was was kind of lackluster. And up until, I mean, when he was at the top of the card versus when you had Aries at the top and, and Neville at the top, there was a giant difference. Or even if you look at what Buddy Murphy's been able to do there and some of the matches he's been able to have, um, also a big difference. I, I could honestly see him going back to PWG and then maybe doing some stuff in Ring of Honor. But I just... I'm not super high on T.J. Perkins. I'm, I'm just not. And I, there's probably indie wrestlers out there, indie fans out there yelling yelling at me very, very hard. But, I mean, when a guy does a Moodle lock and hits a dab, I'm not <laughs> necessarily going to be your biggest fan. He does have experience in TNA in the X Division, so maybe that's a landing spot for him if he wants to go do X Division. I just know that, like, when he was there, he was suicide. He was a TJP, so I'd be curious on how they handle him, honestly. Well, you know, everyone loves suicide, so maybe they can just redo that whole thing. Yeah, he's my least uh, concerned. I think that I'd like to see Ty do some cool things. Ring of Honor is a good choice for him, and I would like to definitely see um, 
I mean, it's it would be fun, just like Shinsuke, if, if he ends up at the end of his contract going back to Japan. You know, I love New Japan now. It's one of my favorite wrestling. So to be able to get, you know, Hideo Itami, I mean, I don't even have to ever call him that again. Uh, Kenta Kobayashi and Shinsuke Nakamura in the ring with some of my favorites over there. Whether or not they've had matched in the past doesn't matter. To be a part of today's platform, I think, would be a great addition. But he might go to Pro Wrestling Noah or, like you said, uh, you know, All Japan. So it all depends. But um, I think that we got a, a probably even a bigger loss than these – no, definitely, I think, a bigger loss as far as a learning tree to the wrestlers, a producer – and also as a road agent, and that is Arn Anderson uh, was let go. Uh, he had been a road agent for the company for 2001. Uh, people like Triple H, like John Cena, uh, like, you know, more modern Dave Rusev, a lot of guys, um, you know, he was their road agent. He helped them out a lot, and he definitely was, from what a lot of people say, the guy that would stick up for the boys in situations where it was business versus uh, the happiness of them. You know, he would go up to bat to them, uh, to Vince, which I, I believe Vince respected probably for a long period of time, apparently, and I don't know the details of it. Uh, something happened at a live show, and it ended with them in each other's faces and cursing each other out. And uh, apparently um, he was released uh, for it. You know, I don't... Arn can definitely retire, obviously, but his knowledge is something that should keep on going with the current generation, I think, just past this. Uh, he has a ridiculous amount of respect from all the wrestlers in the locker room and just all the wrestlers in general. I mean, he's one of the best technical wrestlers of all time, one of the best tag team wrestlers of all time, um, just an incredible wrestler from the 80s. And you can just tell uh, they've gotten different people, some of them younger, as new agents with Abyss and Sanjay Dutt and Hurricane Helms and Jeff Jarrett, uh, that, you know, changes like this could happen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would hate it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we hear that Demolinko is like a, or, or some, you know, something to that extent, uh, because it seems like there's being a shift in the way things are done. So, now I don't know the extent of the details of what the argument was over. I don't know who the wrong person was. I'm not going to speculate. Uh, but all I'm saying is, you know, to no offense to the wrestlers we were just talking about, if you want to get someone now, you know, if you're AEW and you want to get someone who's a great mind for the business and can talk to the wrestlers like a wrestler, but people respect him, and you know Cody does, I, this, I, would, definitely, I would definitely grab Arn Anderson if he's not just up and retiring. Um, he's probably one of their better guys, like, like Fit Finley and a lot of the other dudes uh, that have been there for a while, uh, Malenko and stuff. So, Chris, uh, you hear this news. Uh, what do you think about the decision for WWE to let Double A go? I so I'm a little torn because I think that you need to have a good working relationship with your management in general in any job. And from the reports that are coming out, it seems like that they weren't on the same page. It also seems like there is a route WWE is going, which is a little younger and more towards not necessarily, you know, your mid 2000s, but more towards, you know, at least late 90s um, style of wrestling. And I, I don't know if that's they're looking around at their competition and seeing how matches are booked and knowing that the WWE thing maybe doesn't always play as well as it used to. 
um, road agent, that's their main job is working with these guys to help book the matches. So I, I don't know if there's just discrepancies on what Arn wanted to do versus what, you know, Vince wanted to do or whoever was on top of that show at the time. It's a weird scenario. I think he is a great wrestling mind. I could see Arn easily just opening a wrestling school or doing whatever, you know, just touring around and saying hey to people at different fan events. I, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. I mean, he's Arn fucking Anderson. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the four horsemen. I mean, Arn Anderson's legacy is amazing. I, I the, the, the best thing that came out of this to, to me was watching the Twitter feed after it was announced and seeing all of the wrestlers that he's helps along the way, like your Rusev was one that really gave Arn like quite a big shout out on Twitter. That's that, that's the first one that comes to mind. But there was there was just a bunch, just a bunch of people talking about how you know Arn had helped them uh, develop as a wrestler and, and some of their traits, and then obviously uh, Dash was was out there as well. Um, the AEW thing, it's I'm not saying Arn would be a bad choice. But they are, from all from what they're saying and everything they put out there, they want to go for something different. And I don't know that, you know, the way Arn would want to book matches would be in the same light as how Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks think that something should be booked. Um, right now, I think who is who is their head? It's it's Billy Gunn, is their head booker, or he's their head. I don't, agent, I don't know. Right? I don't know if they have a head yet. Maybe it is Billy Gunn. I think he was just the first person named. I could be completely wrong, though, Chris. I don't remember. Yeah, he's named as their road agent. But it's, you know, the thing is, is wrestling, even though spots you have in a match have changed over the years and and the way that wrestlers perform in the ring has changed over the years. But at the end of the day, the entire wrestling in general should be either you're getting heat for a heel or you're getting maybe face over its basic psychology. And it's hard for me to believe yep. that Art Anderson can't still do that. And looking and knowing that that's, you know, it's Cody Rhodes, Dusty's son, who probably I would assume has a decent relationship with Arn. There, I, I, I don't know. It would, it would be a fit. I could see it being a fit, but then again, Arn may just be done. It's like, you know, he's made his, I don't think they're yeah. hurting for cash. And like I said, I mean, just him doing something like Starcast or, uh, even though he's not known as much of a talker, if he created his own podcast or something, uh, there's other ways for him to make money that doesn't necessarily oh, yeah. have the stress of him fucking booking a show in and out. What I think would be really cool and unique is if he went somewhere like Ring of Honor or Impact to work. I mean, Impact to me has the most WCW type feel to it. I know that we're, yeah, gonna, we're absolutely. comparing, like, television-wise, what they're going to be doing on AEW versus WWF. But as far as, like, how they handle booking their matches and some of the angles that they do, Impact's kind of always been there. And there are there is a lot, a lot of old school to it. Even when you talk about, like, the Tommy Dreamer versus Eddie Edwards match, there was a lot of just psychology and stuff there that I don't want to say you never see in, in WWE anymore, but it is more it, – it, to me, it has more of an old-school feel. So like somewhere like that would probably be a really good fit with him or, and Callis. Like, I could see them coming up here's with a, bullshit. Here's another place that they could put him to help him out more because of uh, a uh, dive is uh, what about uh, maybe the MWA? Uh, maybe Corgan helping uh, helping Corgan out as a consultant and trying to build that. Um, or is that too small, basically, for, for Arn? 
I mean, it depends on Arn's level of investment. Right now, Cor- uh, Billy Corgan's not doing a ton. So if he just wants a consultant for NWA and wants to pay Arn, I don't see why. I don't see why that couldn't happen. I, the NWA thing is weird to me because it seemed like a one-off thing with Cody to give Cody the title. And I know that they're still out there doing it. It just, it's, you don't, like, I I can't even tell you, like, on their Twitter feed what their next show is going to be. Like, if I look it up right now, I'm, I know I'm going to have trouble finding it. So I'll pull that up and let's just see. Because I mean, when you're talking about NWA, it's when it, when is there even their next event? It's the, uh, are, are they are, the Croc? Are they doing something at Mania? They're doing the Crockett Cup. I'm not sure if it's at Mania, but I know that uh, what's his name? Uh, we were just talking about him. Uh, Marty Skrull. Really angry. I know Scroll is going to be no. there. Yeah, Jim Cornette is going to be announcing Scrolls going against uh, Nick Aldis. No, 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 no. They're not having that there. At the Crockett Cup, they're actually making tag teams. I forgot all the tag teams, but it's tag teams throughout the whole entire, like a lot of different wrestling uh, promotions and stuff. It sounded cool when Jim Cornette was talking about it. Yeah. But I don't really know anything about it. Like Jazz has had a 900-day reign as the women's champion there. (laughs) And like I can't tell you which event she's defended the title at. So maybe that's on me a little bit, but it's – it's one thing that's not getting pumped into my newsfeed. Like I don't, I just don't hear enough about it unless you're actively searching it. I'm just saying, I don't think it's big enough for like Arn Anderson to be like, this would be the next place I'm going. So yeah. Impact would be their idea. Or they're with ring of honor. Cause this, the tickets for this is it's April 27th and it's NWA in ring of honor present the Crockett cup. So to me, they're working directly with ring of honor. So the Cody thing obviously was, was a ring of honor type deal. So that's where I'm at with that company is until they either decide that they're splitting off or get their own show or do some kind of uh, Twitch stream or something larger. I just can't see someone like Arn Anderson throwing his hat in the ring there, even as a consultant. I I think that, but what we're saying though, mainly is that no matter where he goes, if he, he does decide to go as a consultant, as a road agent, as anything to bring knowledge, uh, any promotion would be able to use him and utilize him. Um, and Arn just uh, will always, I mean, between his matches, between his wisdom to wrestlers in the past, he'll always be a part of uh, a greater legacy within professional wrestling. I'm just wondering, Chris, uh, last question about this, and it kind of leads us into the next subject a bit, uh, with with rumors that Triple H wasn't very aware of the hiring of Bruce Pritchard from Vince and the fact that we know of his strong relationship with Arn Anderson, you don't think that those rumors are true and Vince wouldn't really go, you know, through Triple H for a lot of these decisions recently, do you? I would have thought that, but he pulled up NXT wrestlers without telling Triple H it was happening, so I don't really know what to think currently. Because, I mean, the entire story behind that was he pulled up all those wrestlers without clearing it with Triple H and in some ways changed what Triple H was doing on NXT, if you think about what he did with uh, DIY. Um, so I, I don't know what to think. I, I I don't know Triple H's relationship with Bruce Pritchard. I've never heard, you know, Triple H isn't one to shoot on Bruce Pritchard. So I, I don't know what they were. I mean, maybe he doesn't have a problem with it. I would assume 
with Triple H's status in the company that any kind of hiring like that, where you're talking about a major talent agent, just from a company standpoint that's publicly traded, that it would have been vetted through Triple H. So I would assume that it, that, that that piece of it is probably just more rumor internet stuff with it just not being rumor. paid with Triple H yeah. at all. But the uh, the NXT stuff was legit because that was just a one like immediate. He I think he called them on Sunday and they were there on Monday. So I I don't know. It's a really fucking hard thing to <laughs> to say at this point. But what about, I would think about, you're making what about a the talent that Triple H is friends with Arn? No, that that you know Triple H might have not known about him releasing Arn or or maybe his feelings. Uh, not being too positive with Vince releasing Arn. Yeah, I mean, that's very plausible because Vince, at the end of the day, hires and fires. So, I w- But, you know, hiring someone is a little bit different because you – for that particular position, I would think that you would have to go through a board of committee, and I would assume that Triple H would be on that board since he does all of their stock calls. But firing someone, I you know – if if that person did anything at all to Vince, like is insinuated that they had an argument, then you can just make the – you can pull the HR card and get someone fired if you felt threatened or – I mean, that's kind of where we're at in, in the WWE world with it being publicly traded. And, you know, like for you, if you want an example, Daniel Bryan was fired for being aggressive yep. backstage. Alberto Del Rio was fired for being aggressive you know, Vince said the wrong thing to Arn. Arn got a little heated. Then there you go. That's a release. We won't know that until the details are are, are fully released because everyone's kind of kept quiet about it. But Dave, you know, Dave Meltzer had reported that it it was an incident involving Vince. Um, and maybe Triple H thought that that was something they could have probably just worked out. So yeah, I buy that. I, I buy it. I don't know enough. About, I I wasn't fucking there, obviously. But if, if you were to tell me that, I would totally believe it. Um, that Triple H wasn't necessarily a fan of that firing more or less speculating and I also another thing I heard uh, Funaki one time just went crazy and knocked out Albert uh, in the back um, I just made that up anyways but yeah just, um, <laughs> weird weird changes and you know we kind of already went into it we had another strange change Bruce Pritchard is back in WWE something that he said you know was never going to happen um, I'm a huge fan of something to wrestle with, uh, with Bruce Pritchard, with Conrad Thompson just grilling him and giving it back to him. I know that Triple H should be a fan of Bruce Pritchard because Conrad's called him out for being one of the main writers during the Reign of Terror uh, at the beginning of it, and he always has uh, Hunter's back. So I'm assuming that, they, that they're cool. You know, that was more speculation of, like, doing business-style stuff and just kind of going around me. Because apparently, and I don't, and I don't know if it was unbeknownst to Hunter, um, Pritchard's been a consultant to, to Vince for several months now, uh, leading into this. I think he, I, I believe they said he was a paid consultant uh, to some extent, uh, and now he's head of creative, uh, which is kind of crazy. You know, I think that he has provided some amazing stuff within wrestling. He gets the entertainment meets the sports element, I think, very well. He's been under the learning trees of some big, big names within the territory system. And Bruce has great qualities. Some of them are not as as good, but, I mean, you have to understand, this was a guy that was the late 80s, early 90s 
you know, the probably the biggest years, if you will, of the, the, the golden age of wrestling leading up to the new generation. And then he was gone and came back in the attitude era and rode up until a good chunk of the, the ruthless aggression era within 2000. So he also wrote for TNA. He claims, which, you know, I'm sure everyone's in the point blame everywhere else that he had a lot of problems, you know, before he was working with people like Jim Ross, but when he had to work with people like a Vince Russo, it just, it would go south a lot of times. But uh, he also, like I said, did stuff with TNA. uh, And now, you know, Bruce is here. And I'll kind of go into my second part of this, uh, just a speculation uh, style thing. But, you know, it's based off the qualities that Bruce brings that I think are positive. And we'll kind of, we'll talk about some of the negatives uh, possibly too. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I have some negatives. I'm not going to judge for him. But uh, Chris, first of all, before we go into any of that, what do you think about the hiring of Bruce Pritchard and him being the head of creative now within the WWE? Oh, man. It's just really hard for me to want to give Bruce Pritchard a chance after his run in TNA from 2010 to 2013. But I give him a little bit of a pass because of who was there. You had Hogan, you had Bischoff, and you had Russo kind of during that same time period. And as we've heard from other people, uh, other podcasters and such, during the time period of TNA, there was just a lot of shit that was up in the air. But that, to me, one, it was, you can say what you want to say, but it's also really the only time they ever challenged WWE and tried to go against them and probably had their biggest ratings was during that that time period with Hogan. Um, I... Who is he actually replacing as head of talent relations? Who who is uh, or not? Ta- is he doing talent relations or is he head writer? Because previously he was talent relations. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's head of creative, uh, I believe. Let me just make sure uh, from this headline. Yep, uh, head up creative team within the WWE. Uh, looking for. I think that is his position. He's returning work top position with the creative team. According to PW Insider, uh, position was described as as important as possible, and he'll be one of the top people on the creative team going forward. So that that that's basically it. That's the uh, the run of it. <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question so, or not. Yeah, I know. So I'm assuming that's over Raw and SmackDown, and not NXT, since NXT is Triple H's baby. Correct. Um, I believe so. I feel like it's fucking weird that you don't put Triple H in that role. Kind of. Or that or that role falls under Triple H at this point. Uh, outside of that, I mean, I don't listen to enough of his podcast. I know that he had, he had worked with WWE previously during some good years and some bad years. The, 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 the thing that I remember most was his return to TNA. Like when he left WWE, he went to TNA, and it was probably during, if you were a TNA fan before when he showed up, and kind of you get the descent of Hogan Bischoff, and you start bringing in these old legends, which a lot of that is is Bischoff and, and Dixie Carter, and them trying to build that brand up. Um, not definitely not my favorite time period. Uh, that being said, he was talent relations there, 
So that's he was a backstage agent, a producer, and then he went on to talent relations, if I remember correctly, um, without you know fucking going into Wikipedia or trying to pull up a documentary on him or something. But it was the 2010 to 2013, 14 of TNA to me was absolute garbage, and I didn't like any of it. So <laughs> he was also I put him as half responsible for that. I know that he um, he did a lot of, of decent stuff with SmackDown back in the day. And uh, I don't know. I just It's one of those things where it's hard to put in perspective how good someone was at creative or how good the roster was at the time. Um, and you have to also keep in mind that WWE from, I don't know, as soon as WCW died until probably – around the time TNA and Ring of Honor started picking up in 2005, 2006, had absolutely no competition. So it's really hard to, like, judge whether he was really good or not. Yeah, I, I could completely see that. Um, so for me to, to kind of break down what I believe some of the positive qualities um, – as far as, as Bruce, when it comes to Creative Nine, as, as, when it comes to producing, uh, a lot of your your favorite segments, if you, you know, or, or me and Chris's age, and if you watched WWE back in the day, whether it be uh, Primetime or, or WWE Saturday Night or whatnot, the segments, a lot of, you know, he produced, he also helped out a lot with, um, you know, when they had uh, promos and stuff like that. And his whole thing, and I don't know, I feel like certain people weren't talking from a script. Certain people definitely were Ronda Rousey. Uh, but, you know, he hates scripted promos. He always talks about that. So I'm hoping that's one thing that he definitely gets through to Vince when it comes to that element. Um, he was a part of the WWE during a big check chunk of the golden age as far as uh, setting up angles and stuff like that. He he helped uh, with the whole creative with Vince uh during the Mega Powers Clash, uh, he was a big, big person involved uh, with, you know, um, I don't think he was in talent relations because I think that was uh, uh, what Jr. was doing. But during uh, the middle of the Attitude Era, he got he was he was good on SmackDown in the 2000s, as most of us know, the early 2000s. SmackDown had some good stuff, but for the amount of talent that was on that roster in years like 2003 and 2004, it was kind of sad that the story just were so mediocre uh, compared to, you know, a few years beforehand where they had a couple stars and incredible storylines. Um, so, you know, you can blame that who you want to. I didn't watch TNA too much other than the beginning of it. I have heard that he helped tank it. I completely believe people. I know that he tried to get it back going a year ago and kind of gave up on that. And that was, his, or a couple of years ago, I should say. And that was his last attempt. And then Conrad brought him up. Uh, to start, you know, telling stories about past things. Uh, a lot of involvement with uh, characters, uh, big WWE characters from, you know, the beginning times, uh, helping Brett find certain elements of himself, helping Macho Man Randy Savage work on stuff, the storyline with Hulkster, and, you know, those, Bruce was a part of that creative. Now, all that is great and dandy. One problem, he might be kind of like what you were saying, Chris, with Arn in AEW, 
a little bit too old school. You know, he has no problem with high flying. He has no problem with that. He loved Eddie Guerrero. He's one of the people that pushed Eddie Guerrero to become champion. Um, But, you know, he's still, when it comes to production, I hope that he's not thinking in the past too much. Uh, But, hey, I will say, and I have no idea, and we're about to go into Ron SmackDown, so it pertains to it. I have no idea if this being the first week, like he was really part full creative, but a lot of the matches were good, but they were still short, but they were really good short matches. The, the, the segments were, were pretty damn good, especially like a lot of stuff on raw. It, you know, they had cliffhangers, which I haven't seen in raw in a very long time. You know, obviously some of that stuff, they already pre-planned. They already trying to figure stuff out, but fine tuning, Bruce could be a good person that might have caused a little bit of that. Like I said, I didn't feel like some people were as scripted or, you know, kind of worked their, their, their thing. So I think there's a lot of pluses. There's also a lot of negatives with having Bruce, um, you know, also he's kind of shysty. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I think everyone in wrestling is, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I want these new guys to be turned to superstars. I don't want them to keep worrying about the superstars of the past and not realizing they're right in front of them if they do them a certain way. And that could be a negative thing about Bruce, but a positive thing is the fact that maybe he can steer Vince into understanding that and we can start channeling this new generation that eventually Triple H will take over. Um, I don't know. It's a very, very... It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, but I will say, Ron SmackDown were both really fucking well for, you know, I mean, something, especially with Raw, that can be very mediocre a lot. I have no clue if there was influence from Bruce, but strange coincidence that he's there. He's been a consultant beforehand. Now he's full creative, you know, ahead of that. So who knows? Uh, any follow-up things before we move on to reviewing Ron SmackDown, Chris? No, I think he did a way better breakdown of what I would think of Bruce Pritchard because you did the rundown of the entire history. And like I said, I'm thinking more recently um, on how I feel about Bruce. And, you know, I don't, I, I want to see, I mean, right now, obviously things haven't been working that great. Um, I think Ron's back down this week was better, but you can point back to the past two months and ratings and everything after football ended, they usually rebound and they didn't. So maybe it was the right change. Who knows? Um, I'm looking forward to it. Let's just say that. I'm positively, uh, I'm positive. I have a positive, optimistic outlook on how things may go. That first, before I immediately start crashing on what's going on. I think that if he's been consulting, if he's been consult, help, help consulting Vince this entire time, then that doesn't really do him any favors over the past like four or five months, booking wise and storyline wise. Um, I think they got really lucky with Becky, and I think they got really lucky with Kofi. And then outside of what they, what Daniel Bryan's been able to do, it, the product's been kind of stale and, and lackluster, if I'm being 100% honest. I can definitely agree on that. But, like I was saying, since, you know, I think that they were above standard, let's go over this week's Raw and SmackDown. And uh, I get to be a little more thorough because I was actually there firsthand to experience it. Uh, funny story. Um, I'm not trying to throw some shade on the WWE, but they didn't sell out this Raw. The reason why I know that is because I was on the second level, and uh, they grabbed a bunch of us and told them to follow us and put us on the bottom level that they didn't sell out, uh, which was awesome. Um, 
Weird thing. I actually, I think I told you this, Chris. So I'm sitting and I am watching the show and I think we, I was commenting on the stupid stuff with Lacey Evans and a guy in front of me who was with his daughter turned around and goes, I thought she was some army chick, but he had an Irish accent. And I swear to God, it was like I was looking at Finn Balor in the face. Come to find out, it's Finn Balor's brother who's there visiting, uh, watching him wrestle. Extremely nice guy. Um, and he, he was five years younger, uh, looked exactly like him, like exactly like him, and is actually over here uh, practicing wrestling. Uh, apparently he was, you know, same school that Finn, that Killian Dane, that uh, Joe Kofi, that Becky Lynch, and, um, oh, man, uh, I can't remember his name, but all of them stem from, basically. And uh, it was a very strange night, I will say, because Raw, I was not too... I was not too pleased to come. You know, I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll go. And then it was like, oh, it's Ric Flair's birthday. Okay, that's cool. Didn't expect any big guests to be there, maybe a couple, but not my two favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, and I definitely didn't expect the, the whole Roman thing, so it kind of threw me off. Uh, just just very, very weird, but a lot of fun. I, I, I very much enjoyed it. So maybe that might be the reason why I praise this, Rob, but I've also been hearing from a lot of people that, you know, review this type of stuff that I listen to for the podcast and also just, you know, people that analyze wrestling in general, that this was well-received by the masses and that the ratings did pretty damn well, especially in the first two hours, which I'm happy because Roman Reigns, you know, uh, presented some amazing stuff at the beginning of it. But before I get into that, Chris, overall, what did you think about the episode? <laughs> I actually, I actually thought the episode was really well done. I think that Roman helped the ratings quite a bit. I think Roman being back is the thing where absence makes the heart grow fonder. And, you know, even if you hate Roman, you want to hear about him being healthy and, and how that's going and whether or not he's getting better. Leukemia's a, a huge deal and a huge battle in general. So I think him showing up helped a lot. I do think the episode itself was structured well. Um, and it's one of the best brawls I've seen probably in the past month, month and a half, uh, maybe even longer. I don't know. They kind of run together. It's three hours of wrestling each week. So it's one of those things where it's a little hard to tell. But, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I don't think it was just you being in the arena. Obviously, that helps. That goes a long way. But it uh, to me, it came across on TV pretty well also. Yeah, I think the pacing of it was great. Uh, I think that they just had that, you know, they went through everything. Everything seemed lined up very perfectly, and everyone had enough time to get their shit in, if you will. Uh, but it started off, like we said, you know, I literally got to my seats. Ba-da, Roman Reigns comes out, and it's very weird to be in an arena for the first time seeing Roman Reigns live, and the audience is in an uproar in a positive manner. Everyone, everyone was cheering for Roman. Roman... There was a genuine feeling of, of happiness. You could tell everyone was into it. Uh, I'm going to let everyone know that there, uh, there was a part where you hear a bunch of booing uh, during the cheering and when Roman starts talking at first, uh, thanking all his fans. And that wasn't booing towards Roman. Actually, that was some dipshit who said, we still hate you, Roman, or some dumb shit to that extent. And everyone started giving him hell, heckling the crap out of him, including me. And I wasn't even that close to him. 
So that's what you heard, basically. Like, you know, Roman was very, very much beloved because he's, he's, he's tried so hard to be everyone's hero, and now he did something, you know, not saying being a wrestler is not heroic, but something in life that is very heroic, and that's battling and winning against cancer now twice within his life and still looking incredible. And every fucking dipshit that somehow thinks that this is a part of the storyline or, or whatever because he didn't lose his hair or whatever. Just go fucking research and quit being an idiot. Actually, you know, I usually suggest swimming lessons in volcanoes at this point or deep sea fishing. So pick one of those things. I, I don't have time for you. Either way, it was an awesome moment. Roman admitted to all of us that he was, he's cancer free. He's in remission and he's coming back. Um, you know, people started chanting WrestleMania and he said, you know, hold on, like, we'll get to that basically. And that's all he said about it. Um, but, uh, it was, it was a great moment. It was awesome to be there. I definitely teared up a bit, you know, and you could tell that he was very happy, uh, from the reaction from the crowd and everyone was happy to see him there. And it was, it was, it was cool to have Roman back. You know, I didn't think that he was going to be able to make an announcement like that. I thought that it was going to be a couple months, uh, he's already signing up for house shows and stuff uh, within the end of April and May. So they're getting him back on. Uh, and that's awesome. Uh, you know, I think Roman is a superstar. You know, you might have issues with him in the past, but he is someone that draws ratings. And I think they need him uh, right now on Raw or SmackDown, really. Um, but uh, yeah, Chris, uh, you know, you watched it firsthand on TV and stuff like that. I'm sure, especially with the commentating. Uh, it was a very emotional moment as well. All right. Well, first I want to address the the booze because the way the way it can't cross on TV is we. I mean, I heard what you're talking about, but it's also I thought it was really well done how Roman kind of played it off, uh, almost in a John Cena type sense. The way John Cena will play off a of boo, but it wasn't like he wasn't being booed. Like he knew he wasn't being booed, and it didn't affect. I thought it was one of it was like a really honest, heartfelt promo. And I look forward to Roman being back. I mean, there is a clear deficiency when you look at that top of the card and he is not there. They don't know how to replace him. And I, you know, for the long time, I mean, you have said this, it's like, well, what do you do if Roman's not there before this happened? And this is, this is what you get. You get brawls for months that aren't very good. You get a top of the card. That's just shuffling. Um, constantly because they don't know what to do and then you look at it and you go well it's not really Roman's fault he's pushed so hard um, and I had said for a long time that I wish he would kind of just leave and take a break for a little bit and come back and when I said that I didn't mean this obviously uh, but yeah I think I, I think me and you were kind of on the same page about uh, how I felt about the promo I didn't get teary eyed I wasn't there in person but <laughs> I uh I, I thought it was a really great promo. It was nice to see Roman back. It's good to hear that he's doing well and battling this. It's nice to hear that he's signing up for house shows. And Overall, I mean, I think it's just positive all around, right? It's hard to, to look at a guy who's, to me, was never as bad as fans perceived him. Um, no. Who has had good matches, and he's just been shoved. He was shoved unfortunately by booking was shoved down people's throats in a way that made them turn against him. But I think you can look at Roman and go like, Hey, he's a fucking star. And if you don't believe it, you can look at the ratings. 
look at the first hour of Raw versus last week's first hour of Raw. And that's with the announcement of, you know, that, that's with people finding out that NXT superstars were going to be there versus Roman Reigns. So if, if, if people don't think that he moves the needle at all, I would say just look at the numbers. He fucking moves the number. Right? He is a star. Whether you hate him or love him, he's, he's a big deal. Same thing as Cena. Um, the big difference is, is, like, I think Roman has a chance to come back and do something different with his character and be a big deal. With Cena, his character will always be John Cena at this point. So, <laughs> like, Cena turning That's heel now. That's a good way of putting it fan service, but Roman does have a chance with the absence left for a year coming back and doing something really big. The thing is, is you can't push him too hard into it too soon. So if you have Rollins lose at Mania, for instance, you can't have him come back and just beat Brock the very first match. Um, Because the same fans that felt compassionate for him are going to be the same fans that are like, what? You know what I mean? So... I liked it overall. I thought it was a great start to the show. It was great to see Roman back. And I think it definitely had a huge effect on how the overall show carried into the first and second hour as far as viewership goes. To see what else Roman would do being there. Um, as well as, you know, Ric Flair was there, which always helps. And the thought that Batista Kinda. might be showing. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that Roman was a big part of the ratings bump. Absolutely, I completely agree with you, and I and I really and I, I've said this to you. I've always I like John Cena. You know, he does the same. So did fucking Stone Cold. I don't, I don't understand people's concept of oh, The Rock and Stone Cold can be. John Cena is a good worker. He does. He has his his patterns, his same moves and shit like that. So does some of your other favorite wrestlers. But whatever. You know, when I was a kid, my dad couldn't stand Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior. He thought they were both annoying as shit. He was a Macho Man Roddy Roddy Piper fan, and he was a Bruno fan before that. He didn't, you know, shove it down our throats that it sucked. Roman Reigns sells merch. He's one of the top merch sellers because kids like him, just like John Cena. I find it kind of repulsive that our generation uh, and older has to just – you always hear the kids cheering for him and then the adults coming over with these angry boos. And it's, it's just kind of sad a little bit. It's like, just get the fuck over yourself. Like he's, he's not, he might not even, he might not necessarily be meant for you. Basically let kids be kids and enjoy wrestling. Like we were kids. I I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, like fucking looking back, did was Hogan the greatest wrestler of all time? No. But when I was like five, I thought fucking Hogan was awesome. It was like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, like um, you're seeing a you're he didn't seeing do a shit. legit. <laughs> I mean, especially if you look around, like, all right, I'm not normally one of the ones that point out body size and just overall stature, but if you look at like Roman versus a lot of the other people that are at the top of the card, <laughs> Roman does kind of look like a fucking superhero. <laughs> If you're five, you don't you don't look at humans the same way. It's why Big Show and Andre were such an attraction. You look at someone like that and you go, "Holy shit, they're big," you know. Like I, and you know, it's whatever. Like if I can, if, there's other shit for you to watch, wrestling wise. Not even outside of wrestling, you can still go enjoy more of an adult version of wrestling. It's out there. 
if that's what you're going for. If you're looking for like a DX type thing, or you know, if you're looking for more of a hardcore thing, there's other companies for you to watch now. There's no need for you to sit on your couch and just be a salty fucking bitch because Roman Reigns isn't the heel you want him to be. Because, I mean, all evidence exactly. points to him being heel. You know, like, I, I, I think turning Roman heel would have been a good idea at the, at the time that the fans really turned against him. Um, I'm not saying that that would be bad in a wrestling sense. But as we've kind of seen, they is failed it, to replace him with Chris, anything. No, no one on that roster has been able to do what he's doing. I know he's so babyface right now, and everyone loves him. WrestleMania, Seth beats Brock Lesnar. Roman comes out, Dean comes out. They're obviously trying to get over that shit and realize that whole entire storyline was stupid. Dean's leaving anyways after Mania. They all come out to kind of like celebrate, and Roman decimates both guys, just destroys them. Smile on his face and just leaves the ring. What do you do? For Roman to, to break Seth and Dean in half at Mania? Like, I don't know. They kind of haven't mentioned him, and then when they did mention him, it was in a heel promo from Dean Ambrose. So it's not like they showed Seth going to see him at the hospital to get Seth over. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I, – yeah, I mean, like, whatever. He, he, you know, give him a little bit of attitude. I don't think that that's bad. I think some of his best promos are when he has a little bit of attitude. But what I would point to – Yeah, back early NXT. Uh, he just had a completely different vibrato about him. It was kind of rockish, but still, he knows how to play that type of egotistical guy. Or, hey, look, if you're going to have him as a babyface, instead of trying to make him this certain grimace, like, just have him like he is, like chill Roman. Like, he's just a cool dude, man. Like, you know, that's just him. You, he can totally be himself instead of, like, trying to be, like, this general character that's, I don't know. I, I, never, I never got it. I like, I like this. I mean, I'll give you a direct correlation. They're in the same family. They did a very similar thing with the Usos. And the Usos came out, and they did straight babyface promos, and they did a dance to the ring, and no one gave a shit. As soon as they started being themselves and talking how they talked and came up with their Some own the gimmicks, they're one of the best tag teams, if not the best tag team in WWE. So <laughs> if you don't oh, give the guy ever a chance yeah. to step up, if you don't give him a chance to ever step out of his shell, if you're in a, you know, that's on booking. I, I, but what I would, you know, say is he's been what? It's gone six months. Mm-hmm. Baby face on Raw right now. It's, it's Seth, right? Seth Rollins. He's de facto. Yeah. Outside of that, who's your top baby face? Because Finn, they sure as fuck the have not champion. been able, I mean, they sure as fuck have not been able to replace Roman. No. Like, not even close. No. Seth did, like, Seth did not. I don't know. It, it's some interesting. Of that, it some of that's is. booking. Some of that is booking because I think Braun could have been that guy. But obviously, like, Braun had pissed some people off. And they didn't want to go the Braun route. So, outside of Braun, yep. I can't think of anyone that was even close to the same level as Roman. Whether you're getting booed or cheered, you're still moving a needle. And I hate to say that. Exactly. That's how W. That's how WWE books shit. <laughs> like you're you, not gonna have. If you go out there, 
if you go out there, you want to be heard. Even if it, even if if it's a reaction, that's all that matters. When you suck at, at at crowd participation, is when you go out there and get no reaction. Okay, that's why you know Roman is over to some extent because people will argue in the audience with their loudness of whether or not that he's good or not. You know, I mean that's that's the thing that people have to fucking realize. Like, give yeah. me a break. My my biggest thing. Argue with me, argue with me, like anyone out there that's listening right now. I want you to send me a message on Facebook. I want – you can write it up, try to have some facts in there, and argue with me that Roman Reigns is a less superior fucking wrestler than Bill Goldberg or the Ultimate Warrior. And I will I, – I swear, if you, if, you, if you can show me that proof, I will eat a goldfish and put it on Geek Vibes. I'm dead serious on Twitter and Facebook. Heary, heary. If you can prove that shit, I'll put it on there. If you tell me a bunch of crap that's based on the fact that nostalgia and you like them, then I – no, you don't have shit. He's an, he is a really good worker. That's the thing. He has a similar thing, but he's good at what he does. He's got a good working punch. It's a Superman punch, but, you know, whatever. But you know what I'm saying, Chris. It just drives me nuts. Yeah. I think he just needs to channel his inner Brock Lesnar over the past, like, two or three months and have good-ass matches with people that – are better in the ring with him and work within his confines to have good matches. Like that's part of it. If you book him against Braun every time he has a fucking match for six months at pay-per-views, you're going to get a very similar match. Not that Braun's bad, but they have a confine in what they're able to do in the ring. It's the same thing as Roman versus Taker. Like anyone thinking that match was going to be fucking amazing they're probably looking at the wrong product. If you're looking for like five, six star bangers, you need to look elsewhere. <laughs> like maybe watch yeah. NXT instead. It's not, that's not what WWE is. I mean, I hate to say that they're, they're out there. They have happened, but it's not, it's few and far between. And I don't know that there's a way to change that, but WWF has never been that. I mean, you have your one-off matches with HBK, and so even in the past, going back to the past, you don't have, it's not like, I mean, I think there's better work rate, but like, go back and watch the Attitude Error with the mindset of mm-hmm. like, this wrestling sucks, <laughs> and sit through some of those matches on a fucking Monday Night Raw. I, people have nostalgia that no one will ever get over, but like I said, what I would say is, the, the only pure baby face that they've had in the, in the company in the past, like, a year and a half, and I, I mean, with, with the exception of Becky and, and I guess Kofi now, let's take those two out. Let's say post, let's say post-November. <laughs> what was Johnny Gargano? Sounds like an emo band. Like, like Johnny Gargano yep. is the only one that I can think of who has done the pure baby face thing, and now he's a fucking heel. So, <laughs> I don't. If someone can well, point to me a, more... a straight baby face, like that's the same level as Roman Reigns and John Cena, maybe I'll eat a fucking goldfish. <laughs> if you take out Kofi and <laughs> Becky, and I think that they're, I what think that they're fucking, um, I think they're fucking, um, they're part of a circumstance that just happened to fall in someone's lap. Kofi, Mustafa Ali got hurt, and then he got put into a match, and people forgot the fact that fucking New Day's over as fuck. <laughs> Becky oh, man, people still... loved Becky to begin with and she looked like a badass because she got her face legitimately injured like it's that was just luck that fell 
it wasn't the WWE did a great job of making them that way. <laughs> no, it's like... just fell in the place. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing, though. Like, going back to – and, dude, I'm just thinking of this concept of, you know, Seth beats Brock Lesnar, him and Paul leave, and shit like that. Seth's there. Then you hear – uh, for some reason, it makes it look like they're going to be doing a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion at Fastlane, whatever. Like I said, Dean's on his way out. If they just want to scrap all that bullshit and just keep it going. But, like, seriously, just for the storyline, set it up for you. Seth Rollins is in there. You know, Roman comes out. Dean comes out. They're all in the ring. It's kind of emotional. In reality, it'll be a little bit emotional because the three of them won't ever be there, uh, you know, again. And you've already had Dean turn. You've already had Seth turn. And... Who is who's Seth going to go against after WrestleMania for the title? I mean, Roman is the biggest person on Raw, if you think about it. So what does he do? Seth's already hurt from his match. Dean's had his match beforehand. Throws Seth outside, destroys Dean, is screaming about, like, some of the statements that Dean said in the last couple of months, you know, puts him through a table, whatever, and then goes after Seth and just destroys him, starts banging him up with his own belt and just goes in the ring, smiles, tells all the crowd to screw them and just puts up the belt. I think that would be just incredible. I, I, and people would boo, but now they have their horn to the boo. And the thing is now with Roman, he can flip it like his cousin did possibly and be even more over afterwards. And just also cutting to people that were so fucking shitty to him for such a long time for no damn reason when he was trying to be that wrestler. I don't know. It's just very poetic, but more so the concept, uh, Chris, to end this thing. You know, at the end of it, Roman went up the ramp. Seth came out. They had a hug. Later on, they're going to save Dean Ambrose. If, If Seth beats Brock, Brock takes a break, does whatever, I guess they could have another Brock and Seth match. That's a possibility. Roman's back is what I'm saying. Seth gets the title. How are they not going to cross paths without Roman being a heel potentially? Um, you have Seth lose the belt to someone like Aleister Black, and you build up an actual fucking monster for Roman to go against, and you have Roman have to go through a lineage of motherfuckers to get there. All right, I like that. That is how you I do, do like it. that. I don't want Roman to get the straight WrestleMania moment because it's going to seem like fan service, like in a bad way. It's not like the fan service, like Kofi winning the title would be. It'd be the one that it feels forced. And now people are going to not like it. I agree with what you're saying. I think that would be the way to go, but it's Roman and Roman is like John Cena. And anytime anyone does anything like this, it ends up like being Cena winning the rumble or Batista coming back and winning the Rumble. It's those kind of things that fans tend to start turning on people. So I kind of almost want them to give give fans the little nod, have Alistair or someone new beat the shit out of Seth Rollins repeatedly, and then, you know, Roman is ready for the title shot. And maybe you even set it up with a number one contenders match. You can still do the the face versus face if you want to Rollins versus uh, Roman. Well, do like a best two yeah. out of three or something. Like, I think there's ways to get there that makes sense. That's not just like, here's WrestleMania and here's all these moments <laughs> because there's going to be already, Good we point. know there's going to be a fuck ton of moments on mania. Now, if they turn him well, straight yeah, heel just... and he goes against the crowd, then that's a different story, but I also don't think that that's necessarily the way they need to go with Roman at this point, because I think when he comes back, people are, I think, honestly, 
the majority of people are going to want to root for him. I hope so. I like what you said about Aleister Black, and it kind of takes us into the next match because Aleister and Ricochet were still, you know, present uh, on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I know that they're teaming together. Just, uh, I guess this is a little bit spoilers, but it's been known for a while. Anyways, uh, the Dusty Classic, they're teaming together for it, but that's pretty much it. They're done outside of uh, having whatever tag match within that with NXT. Tommaso and Johnny, it's a little more complicated. They're, that's why you didn't see them. Um, but with these two, you know, Aleister Black is someone that can have this essence to him where if he went against Seth Rollins, who is the baby face, people can still like him, but he still has that badassness. Not necessarily, not necessarily a uh, um, anti-hero or anything like that, like a Stone Cold entity, but more kind of like a taker, but like outside the even the spiritual sense. Uh, he can take on Seth, kind of be the bad guy, act like a bad guy, but still not be the heel in it, really, necessarily. And he's definitely someone that I'd like to see in a high-profile match with certain people like Seth Rollins, for sure. Uh, Ricochet and uh, Aleister Black defeated the Revival. Uh, the Revival, the tag team champions, now have lost to DIY, who have beaten them in the past and have a history with them, and now to Aleister Black and Ricochet, who aren't really a tag team. Um, so I'll just, just say that. But Black pinned Scott Dawson after a black mask. That's two weeks in a row, like I said, with losses to the Raw Tag Team Champions. Um, really still wondering about Mania with them. I know that we, we saw Bobby Roode and Chad Gable watching the match during it. Uh, it was a pretty damn good match. Aleister Black and Ricochet did it. It very crisp in the ring. They both bring their presence. And we treated them right in Atlanta, unlike uh, Lafayette. So that's pretty good. Um, Chris, what did you think about this match? I actually thought it was a really good tag match, especially because this is the first match on the show, right? So... It, it kind of amps you up after the Roman promo. It was a little emotional, and then I thought it was a good match. you got to see some stars you haven't seen before. The Atlanta crowd definitely seemed like they knew who they were, which helps. <laughs> I think there is something to be said about the Lafayette crowd maybe not knowing who the NXT people were. <laughs> um, but that just speaks to, you know, that area more than anything. I mean, the United States is a big place, man. <laughs> but, uh... Very true. Yeah, I thought it was I, I thought it was a good match overall, and, uh, you know, I think I think they're. I I don't know that I would have went this route with Alistair. I understand why they're doing it, but it it works. And I think you could just have him straight turn on. If you're, it depends on who they're going with. If they're going with Ricochet as being the huge star, then you just have Alistair turn on and you you create an immediate heel for Ricochet, right? So that works. And then you could also, if you wanted to take that down the line. You have Ricochet overcome Alistair, and then he has to deal with Seth Rollins, and maybe you have Seth Rollins turn heel. Because Seth has already been a heel, and I think that he's kind of more accepted as a heel than some of the other people on the card. Because um, he can do the chicken shit heel stuff, but he can also be like legitimate I'm Triple H badass type heel. Uh, so you could even do, if you wanted to go that route, you could do Ricochet versus like Rollins in the future, and then, you know, get that oh, over. God. Or you could even. Whew, yeah, there's there's some there's some good shit you could do. So I hope that they keep Alistair about, and Ricochet hey, around. Tag match: Alistair and Ricochet versus Rollins and Finn Balor. That'd be awesome, and you could definitely do that. I mean, you could also do, you know, Rollins and Roman versus 
Ricochet and Aleister Black as NXT tag champions and do it on a fucking NXT show. Because why the hell not? You're trying to get your brand over. Pull down two of the biggest stars to have a match against these other guys. Hell, maybe even have them lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why not? I, 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 I mean, why not? Like, you're trying to well, get because win losses matter, Chris. Come on, <laughs> no, no, they fucking don't. Okay, well, we're gonna talk about Kevin Owens later, <laughs> and they clearly do not fucking matter. <laughs> hey, he won. He won that hell in the cell. He just fell off the fucking thing into the. Uh... Anyways, um, or, or that was a cage match. <laughs> Someone's yelling at me out there. All right, so we have Elias. He's out there. He's prompted. We think that we're going to walk with Elias. Oh, Lacey Evans, who's got to do the whole walk down the ramp and leave thing. I swear to God, if the rumors are true that she's going against Asuka at Mania, I'm going to punch myself in the face with an aerosol can and spray myself in the eyes with it. What if Asuka just straight buries her in 30 seconds, though? Would I don't want like that. Bad? I'd rather see <laughs> God. I'd rather I'd rather see them pull up Shayna Baszler, have her go against Oscar or Alexa Bliss or Naomi for a competitive thing. They, There's plenty of people. Didn't they do this gimmick before with another female athlete? And I'm think I'm forgetting her name, but she was released about a year and a half, two years ago. She was um, gone for a while. Uh, fuck. And Emma. She, she came back, Emma, and they just did this gimmick with her. And all it is is it the Chris too, Jericho right? jacket. It, no, it didn't work <laughs> because they're not Chris Jericho. <laughs> this is Chris Jericho's no. jacket gimmick, but not fucking good because none of them are Chris fucking Jericho. <laughs> like, Chris Jericho can show up with a light-up jacket, troll people, and leave, and it fucking work because he's Chris Jericho. Doing this with other people is just fucking dumb. Like, I don't understand how this is getting her over or getting her heat. Because she's not doing it consistently against the same person. It's not ruining their matches. It's just randomly throughout the show. So this fucking sucked. And you know what's the worst thing? I also hope this is an Oscar thing. (laughs) You know know what's the worst thing? A part of it is the fact that I can't get her stupid fucking theme music out of my damn head. So traditional. Anyways. I mean, you want to get it out of your head? Watch. If you want to get it out of your head, watch the first five minutes of that fucking women's rumble where she just, like, flopped around with someone oh. who's a great in-ring hand of Natalia. That's how you get that shit out of your head because, like, I don't understand how you do a match with Asuka unless Asuka breaks her in 30 seconds because otherwise it's going to be a garbage match and Asuka deserves better. Put her against fucking Naomi or something. I'm telling you, I would love Shayna Baszler versus her. I would love Alexa Bliss versus her. You have a story there. Because she chose Charlotte over Alexa. Oh, she's on Raw. Who gives a shit? I don't care about any of that anymore. Charlotte's going around. She's going to be on Raw. You know, whatever. So just easily way. Just please make sure it's not this shit. She's going to beat Mandy at Fastlane. We need a good competitor to have an awesome match with Asuka one-on-one. Because you already have a three-way. There's many people to go. If it's her, that's not good. Either way, Elias was then interrupted by Dean Ambrose, who was hilarious. I like this Dean, man. I really, I miss this Dean, uh, you know, but uh, he was asking him just to try to take requests. Or, I forgot what the the line was like, oh, so what are you doing? And he's like, you know, all pissed off like he was trying to start a thing. He mentioned the fact of, uh, you know, Falcon fans like the host Super Bowl, but they, you know, can't get anyone or they can never win one. Stuff like that. Elias to heel again, whatever. Dean Ambrose to babyface again, whatever. Um, 
But Dean announced that he wanted another match against Drew McIntyre, no DQ, and then requested from Elias to play some songs, uh, you know, going from uh, Temple of Dog to ACDC to asking him from Thunderstruck to, of course, Dirty Deeds. And Elias was going to pretend like he was going to play it, and then he turned around like he was going to nail him over the head, Dirty Deeds to Elias, and that would kind of play out later on. Um, Chris, do you really care about Dean's complete change or since like either, either he's leaving at mania or maybe they convinced them and they're just saying, fuck it with all that. Now that Roman's back, do you have a problem either way with that, with Dean's uh, gimmick changing? I think he's, I think he's done at mania no matter what. Cause I don't, I don't think that he believes that they're going to ever push him in the way that he thinks he needs to be pushed. And I'm fine with that. Um, I don't know. They could probably work out like a six month deal with him or something, but I, I, I'm with you. I prefer this Dean Ambrose compared to what they were doing, but it is not my favorite version of John Moxley, which is what makes me so sad. He's in the middle. They could have brought him back as the heel that me and you talked about of how to bring him back. Um, You guys can go back and listen to those podcasts. They're all up on blog talk and iTunes, all that good stuff. Plug, plug for the show, but uh, my original thought was like, if you're gonna bring it back, have him come back and just beat the shit out of the shield right off the bat. Like, don't fuck around with it. Don't do a shield reunion. Don't do that, and then have him turn later, which is what they did. But I mean, their hand was a little forced because of uh, Roman's injury, obviously. But yeah, I mean, like they're giving him shitty gimmicks, like he's Bane. You know what I mean, like. I don't know that he or, is really high or on what having, he's done with characters. Having to, uh, you know, having to say horrible shit about his friend who just got cancer that he just found out about. Apparently, there was a lot of that's uh, apparently, uh, you know, rumor and innuendo, if you will, that Dean, very similar to Randy, not being happy with having to make those statements about Eddie Guerrero burning in hell, uh, was not wanting to do any of that shit. Basically, I mean especially because he knew the payoff wasn't going to be him and Roman at Mania. You know what I mean? Like, he was just doing it to get heat against Seth it Rollins. It could be. But probably not because they're they're doing Elias. The fact that he got any offense on Elias at all points to, like, Elias beating him at Mania. <laughs> Otherwise, like, why the fuck think... would you have a guy get offense if he's leaving? Ever. We like, we haven't really talked about this. Doing. We haven't really talked about this. What makes sense if Roman can make Mania, Chris? You know, Seth and Brock is out of the question. We're going to pretend there's no way in fucking hell Vince is just going to add Roman to that match. Roman's got to go against someone. Do you put him against, say, a John Cena? Do you try to get the Undertaker to come back, which I don't want to see again? Uh, or maybe you pretend that they're going to be good and they're all you know, buddies again, and then Dean does some shit at Fastlane, and then Roman and him have their match at Mania. Dean leaves afterwards. Roman's got someone to go against. I I just don't know. The question is, if he is going to be at Mania, you need a, a big marquee match for Roman Reigns. Who the fuck could that be? I love Kevin Owens, but he's on the other brand now. Are we doing just straight? Are we taking into account that Vince is a heel? What do you think heel? makes sense? What I think sure. makes sense and what I would do is Vince is like, Roman comes out, he announces that he's 
ready to fight anyone at Mania, and then you put him against fucking Samoa Joe, and you let Samoa Joe bury his ass about the leukemia. Because Joe is really oh. good about getting that kind of heat, and then you have Roman versus Samoa Joe. Because it won't matter who wins as long as they have a decent match and Joe has a bunch of really good heel promos. And also you give Roman the best talking heel in the fucking company right now, like someone to actually go against and combat where you feel a little bad for him. I mean, think about like what the kind of promos Joe was just cutting against AJ Styles about his wife. Now give him leukemia. Or Jeff Hardy. Like, yes, exactly. That is who I would. And you know what? It's 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 (laughs) even. I don't want to say it's it's okay, but the reason why it would be more acceptable for Seth for uh, for for Samojo to say that stuff is because Roman it's in remission now. So it's it's like. That actually, is, wow, that is a, that's a good idea. I kind of like that. I wanted, I didn't want. I thought John Cena might be that person, but man, that that's that's a fun fun concept, and that's something for Samoa yeah. Joe to do at Mania. And and they have previous heat with each other, so you already kind of have a built-in feud. You got Samoa Joe; he's doing dick unless Mustafa Ali comes back and is ready for Mania. You have a pre-built heel that you know can cut one hell of a promo. He doesn't have to even talk about leukemia. He can just talk about putting Roman Reigns in the hospital again like the past six months. But it's Samoa Joe, so it's going to be fucking great. So if you're trying to get him like a top heel to go against, like Samoa Joe is the guy, especially if you're supposed to feel sympathetic for Roman coming back off injury because you just have Joe choke him out every time he sees him. The only thing that I could think might be a bad thing about that is that the people love Samoa Joe, even though they'll be like, you know, booing him. Is that going to be bad for Roman, who's finally getting the audience to have a positive reaction with him? I mean, that's like saying that people don't love John Cena, and then you're doing face versus yeah. face, so now you got to choose who's going to win. And, like, also, then you're going to have robotic John Cena talking about how he's so proud of what Roman was able to accomplish and how they should have a match at Mania and light up the stage at Mania and, like, hype up this match, and then it's going to be John Cena versus Roman Reigns. <laughs> so, Which I get what you're fine, saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But yeah. I think Joe is so good yeah. at being a heel that people won't have a problem with Roman winning the match as long as you give Joe some wins going into it and you don't make him look like a fucking yep. total goof. <laughs> dude, but, start a series. I mean, if I... Dude, if, if Roman's good, start a series of matches that accumulates at WrestleMania, like a best out of uh, three. You know, they have two matches on Raw to build up to it, and then they have the third one on WrestleMania or something like that, you know? Or, or I don't know. You, you could do... That, that, is a, that is a great idea. That is a great opponent for Roman Reigns to realistically go against. And once again, I don't think me or Chris are worried about they're on different brands because I'm thinking that there's going to be well, a that's why I asked where about, that's just, why I asked about it's just going to be That's why I asked about heel Vince, right? That's why I asked about heel yeah. Vince because Kevin Owens is not He's on a brand. He's shit up. So if yep. Vince just comes out and goes, guess what, Roman? <laughs> You cost me this much money because you were sick. And, like, fucking plays into the fact that people think that, that 
this was a work plays into it a little bit and comes off as super fucking heel Vince, which is what he should do for what his character is doing, right? Like, I can't believe someone as weak as you would get cancer. Like, have Vince be full heel Vince, and then be like, oh, and by the way, you got to fight fucking Samoa Joe. Congratulations. And then just have Joe attack him. And then, like, you can even build it into one of these 24-hour documentaries that fucking WWE loves to do, where, like, they're like, we're doing a 24-road WrestleMania with Roman again, and we're talking about his recovery and shit, and he's, like, doing a sit-down interview, and they're showing you a clip of it, and Joe just chokes him the fuck out. Like, in the middle of the interview. This shit's not hard to book. It's fucking wrestling. You need a good guy and you need a bad guy. And if you want the best bad guy to go against considerably your top baby face, then that guy's fucking Samoa Joe. I agree. All right, let's move on. Uh, One thing I think that was really cool is they had these shout-outs with Snoop Dogg, Maria Menounos, and the one that was the coolest was Stone Cold Steve Austin because the audience reacted to him the way that you would (laughs) if he was actually there. Like they did the lots in between each thing. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was and there was a big. He was on this giant screen in the middle of. It was it was cool, but um, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, then we have Ronda Rousey and Natalia versus Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan. Pretty good match back and forth. Uh, there was that one punch that Ronda threw at um, that I saw later on uh, with uh, Ruby where she spinned around. Uh, Biff Tannen style, and it was at least like a mile away from it. But, I mean, who gives a shit? We all knew it was going to happen. Lynch comes through the crowd. She's got her crutch. She can barely walk, apparently. Uh, Natalia tries to stop her, and Natalia's like the, the mama of the group of women, and that's Becky doesn't give a shit. She fucking takes out Natalia. People are running at her. Rhonda sees everything that's happened, runs down to her. They're going back and forth. She nails Rhonda. Rhonda finally grabs it, smacks her a couple times. Uh, road agents everywhere, you know, and, and people are getting pulled apart. Rhonda's fuming after they get Becky in the back. Uh, Becky gets arrested. I love the uh, mugshot pictures. I hope they put that, that on a T-shirt. Um, and uh, Rhonda's pissed. And, you know, everyone's giving shit to Rhonda. I'm still thinking, I don't know why they give her this much articulate dialogue. It just does not work out. But I think she did a good job. She had intensity with her promo. She did kind of mess up a couple times. Everyone's on her balls. She calls Stephanie's ass out. Well, she calls Vince out. Stephanie comes out. She demands that Becky gets added to this match because of this stuff. Uh, and and she she won't do it. She's like, no, you know, she just did all this. Uh, she's she's going she's getting arrested. She's not she's not going to WrestleMania. She's not getting rewarded for her actions. And Rhonda's like, think about you know your daughters. You know, this is the three biggest women in the in the company. You know, blah 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 blah. Playing it off real well. And then she basically starts trying to order around Stephanie. Stephanie's not handling it. Rhonda's like, I don't need you. You know that you can't you can't tell me what to do because. You know, I'm on a freaking Rousey, and she puts down her championship belt and says, "I'm done. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna represent this if you're not gonna let me go against opponents that I pick." And uh, that was that. Uh, wow, uh, it was fun scene. I was literally watching for Becky, and I looked at the opposite side, and she's coming through the op- like just just limping up to the ring. So that was kind of funny because I was so close. By the way, David Arquette was very close to me. You guys can see him in the video. Uh, Roman gives him a big handshake. And later on, he's like just just belated during the whole you know fight between Becky and uh, Ronda because he's right there. That was pretty funny. Uh, Ex WCW champion. Yep, he holds lineage with the NWA. But I love that man. Anyways, ready to rumble, Chris? What do you think? <laughs> so does this mean like is Arquette inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Does this mean that he's getting fucking? He should get inducted? a celebrity wing. 
Just, just like one day, man, oh, against in a, in a celebrity God. wing. Come on, just, just give him the celebrity wing. Fucking Kid Rock's in there. You know what I'm saying? Can we get, can we get Carl Malone instead, though? Like first. <laughs> like, can I get the mailman get before Lopper? Arquette? <laughs> yeah, can, can we get, we get some Lopper? other fuckers? Because I saw that too, and I was like, that's fucking David Arquette. And I was like, oh, fucking great. He should talk about that hardcore match he just recently had where he almost died. Against <laughs> Nick Gage. He's like, you know what would be good? I know I'm an actor and shit, but I really love this wrestling stuff. I should go have a match against Nick Gage. I'm like, out of all the fucking wrestlers you could pick, you decided to have a death match with Nick Gage. All right, well, good on you, because <laughs> even if you told me I was going to get paid $5,000, I wouldn't have a hardcore match against Nick Gage. <laughs> Like, I don't know if you heard about that, but it was pretty crazy. You guys should look it up. But, uh, yeah, it was, no, I, I thought watched it. Good. It was stupid. It's fucking brutal, dude. It's, and it's a guy that's not, I mean, he has a little bit of wrestling training with, with Arquette, but not. It, it was almost like karma for the WCW title being put on him, which was a booking decision, not Arquette. So, like, yeah. let it go. You know, but uh, also fucking, I could understand why people would be pissed about that, especially if you were a WCW fan, like I was. Uh, yeah, yep. but the, the segment itself, I thought was fine. Like, I, I, it made a lot of sense, and it got to where we thought we, when we told everyone to calm their tits like two weeks ago, that it was storyline. This makes sense. The one thing I would have done though is to have Ronda also get suspended. So now they have the champion suspended. One of the challengers is suspended, and then you just have Charlotte. And then you just give Charlotte the fucking belt. And now you have more heel heat on Charlotte. And then it turns into a three-way match because, like, they can talk about WrestleMania cells not being where they should be. And then Chris, you make both Ronda and Becky look like bigger stars. So what you do is, since Charlotte mentioned at SmackDown that she's going to be on Raw and that, you know, the champion left the title and that Becky is is out of there. So you have this presentation where Vince is going to just hand the title to Charlotte. And you have Shane, a couple stooges in the ring, whoever you want. And then right during it, you know, they're about to give her the title and fucking a beer truck runs in and Becky just sprays beer all over all of them. <laughs> and all of them are swimming, just over-exaggerated, like, so much, like, it would really cause them to move that way. I feel like that's happened before. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, think we need oh, – I don't think we need – I don't think we need that much, but I was more going – they suspend both of them, and then Vince realizes that he doesn't have a pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> and you just get a bunch of segments of like people like, well, I don't know who to book in this match. And then you just well, we Ronda could have Charlotte attack well, random what we people. Could do is, throughout the- we could have Charlotte in a van, and you know Becky comes there all pissed off. She's got a bunch of her entourage and shit like that within the van, and um, Becky throws like a fucking metal trash can through the window, and then takes out Charlotte from the match because she gets glass on her. Like you know, yeah. I think that's that. Damn it, that's been done too. All right, either way, let's move on. We, well, got, we got a lot what, of what if you? Covered. What if you? Uh, well, let's just say what instead of Ronda putting the belt down, what if she just pulled a CM Punk and said, "I'm taking my fucking belt and I'm going home," and put it in a fucking like refrigerator to show people that it was on ice, and just did everything through Twitter, and then you don't have to hear Ronda promos and you build the fucking story <laughs> through wrestling shit. Uh, I love it. I think that's a great idea. All right, Kurt Angle defeated Jinder Mahal. It was it was a it was a match for us 
fans, basically. I mean, especially the ones there. Kurt Angle came out, beat Jinder Mahal. I'm not talking anything more about it. It was fine. I, I thought it was great. After the match, Angle uh, suplexed the Singh brothers around. and was much nicer than Brock Lesnar is to him, so I'll say that. So Finn Balor comes out as a guest of Moment on Bliss. Um, Alexa, I guess her new part of her thing is that she's really horny. Um, I, I, I don't know, but, uh, between, you know, that, that's fine and everything, but, uh, she asks, she says that Finn should be wearing the belt because, you know, it, it, it's covering his abs and Finn's like, you know, well, I'm, you're going to make me blush. And she was like, let's just say if, if you show me your abs, I'll show you. And she's cut off by Leo Rush. Leo Rush. And watching this thing, I watched the uh, Hulu version and Corey being like, Leo, you idiot. You had a, you know, just yelling about it. It just reminded me of something the King would say. It was so funny. Um, Rush came out trying to get a title shot for Lashley and even trying to get a title shot if he wins for Lashley because Lashley had a match later on against Braun Strowman. Uh, and basically Finn kind of fendangled him to go and have a match for himself. Uh, we had a match that was way better than seeing Finn Balor go against Bobby Lashley with him and uh, Leo Rush, but Finn Balor won with the Coupe de Gras. Afterwards, Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman uh, were supposed to have a match, but Lashley attacked him before the bell. Strowman regrouped and ran through Lashley and Leo Rush. No match actually happened, and Bobby Lashley was pissed off at Leo Rush, and, um, yeah, he's going to break him in half one time. I, I, maybe they're going to have a match. I have no idea. Anyways, um, Chris, all the stuff with Finn Balor, including Alexa Bliss having a, a lady boner. I, it's too soon for the lady boner, man. we got to get this women's revolution shit going at Mania first with these weird women segments they've been throwing at us. Because – points to an old-school direction of wrestling that I think a lot of people should be uncomfortable with, especially because it wasn't very good. Um, and, like, not to detract from jazz and fucking... You get what I'm saying. Mickey James, like, Lita, the Lita and the Trishes of the world and the yeah. Irie's of the world or the Molly Hollies of the world. Like, there was great wrestlers then. Probably, I, I would debate that they were probably actually fucking better than some of the ones we have now. But this shit detracts from that. And, like, also, I hate the, the moment of bliss shit. I think that she's not great when you put her in these scenarios. I think she's really good at cutting a hill promo, but I, I'm not a huge fan of it. It was funny. But it's also funny for all the fucking wrong reasons that people get pissed off about. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to feel about it. It's one of those weird things. So um, the Leo Rush stuff, are they trying to make Leo Rush a sympathetic babyface similar? To me, this is the same storyline as Big Cass and uh, King, uh, what the fuck, Enzo. Couldn't even think of his name. Enzo. I put at, least, off my head. at least Leo can work. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, <laughs> um, it seems like they're going that route, and maybe that is going to be Bobby Lashley's in at Mania on like the freak show is destroying Leo Rush. But the the note like the the false finish thing with Braun, I just don't. It's whatever. Braun just lost, so he lost to Corbin. <laughs> you had a chance to have him lose to Brock, which would have made way more sense because it's fucking Brock. You have him lose to fucking Baron Corbin and EC3 and Bobby Lashley. You do nothing with the story, and you just once again you have like a no finish. And to me, just Braun's stock is. Sink to the level of what they do with the big show 
until they're like, okay, well, we're ready to revitalize a monster. So, yeah, I'm, I wasn't super high on either of these segments for different reasons. <sighs> Though they One was funny, but it's funny in a way that's opposite of what they're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. All right, so then we have the no-DQ match with Drew McIntyre and Dean Ambrose. Uh, Elias hit Ambrose with a, a with the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, wow, guitar. Allowing McIntyre to hit a Claymore and win the match. Uh, after the match, McIntyre, Elias, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin all beat down Ambrose until Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns uh, made the save. There is a rumor that we're going to have these four gentlemen go against the Shield and Braun Strowman at Fastlane. Um, we also had Bailey defeating Nia Jax. After distraction from Sasha Banks, Bailey was able to hit a top rope elbow drop and pin Jax. Uh, pretty damn good match. I always forget, especially watching her live, how good Bailey is inside the ring. What did you think about these two matches before the big woo 70th birthday party bash? Bailey is great in the ring. She has a shitty finish. Give her something else, please. <laughs> and call it something different. <laughs> For the love of God. It's a belly-to-belly slam. It shouldn't be a finisher. Um, the yeah, no, I, yeah the, fuck, God, the Boston Hug connection, the the Bailey-to-belly, like, fuck, stop with these. Um, like, they make her look like a fucking goof just by what they name shit that she's a part of. Uh, Chris, I, I, I had a I, great idea for a tag team name that I think you'll love. It's Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega, and it's the Hit and Kick Connection. Oh, snap. Superman Hit and Kick. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's not even a real kick. Yeah, I thought the, the, the women's match was, was fine. I thought it was well-placed on the show. Um, the rest of the shit I didn't care about that you just talked about, though. It's what I... <laughs> It's I I don't care like why I like Mac and I you know I've came around a little bit on McIntyre but then they put him in stuff like this where they feel like that he needs a rub from everyone like they just keep putting him in matches with other big guys like there's so much beat in the ring but I mean McIntyre should just be destroying all of these dudes if you're trying if you're trying to get McIntyre over he should be destroying Baron Corbin oh. and anyone oh else God. that runs in his fucking way. Like, it doesn't make sense that he is hanging out with these dudes. Like, why is McIntyre... Why are all of them hanging out? His character... Yeah, it, it makes the baby faces are look like a bunch of fucking boom? goofs. Yes, so this makes the baby faces look like a bunch of fucking goofs because there's, this, like, this heel friendship going on, and the baby faces are like, no, I gotta do it all by myself all the time. It's fucking stupid. I hate I- it. Well, all I know is you mentioned beef, and all I thought about was Vince McMahon meeting Otis Dosevich, and I need that scene within my life uh, sometime soon in the future. Ah, uh, the beef. Yeah, the beef? Yeah, just, just 10 minutes of that. Anyway, so we ended this thing with a celebration. So now we've been building up for Rick Flair, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon hosted it. Um, everyone that was a part of the roster was over on the ramp, and they showed some special guests, including – Shawn Michaels, Ricky Steamboat, Kurt Angle, and Sting. My two favorite wrestlers were in breathing distance of me. And Steamboat and Kurt Angle. I mean, really, with Triple H, those are five of the biggest wrestlers of all time uh, just chilling there. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Uh, so Ric Flair was supposed to come up, and he didn't. Uh, and, however, on the uh, Titantron, and all you guys obviously saw, was 
Batista with his blue nose ring and, and sunglasses, like kind of just destroying some camera guy and dragging him to Ric Flair's room, knocking down the door, slamming it shut. You hear a bunch of punches and he drags Ric Flair down and he looks at the camera and says, Hunter, do I have your attention? Like that. Very, very, if I, if I peaked, I'm sorry, everyone out there, but that's how it was. And it was intense and uh, it was awesome. And it, you know, my buddy Hoyt was mad that they, he never saw Ric Flair at the thing that was with me, but I didn't care. I thought it was a great way to set up a feud that I was kind of eh, iffy on. But uh, Chris, what did you think about all this? You can you can tell your uh, buddy Hoyt that Ric Flair tends to go to Frontera in Duluth near Gwinnett Arena. So he can just hang out there a bunch, and eventually he will see Ric Flair. He's person. served him before at, at Vinny's when he was a server there. He's literally served him in person. So stupid. It's fun. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a really good call. I thought it was a callback to Evolution, but I think they're trying to turn, based on our conversation earlier, that they're trying to turn Batista heel and Triple H face, which is going to take a lot of fucking work <laughs> to repair Triple H's uh, – <laughs> Baby face. Someone says that I've got a shovel in my closet. <laughs> I've never had a shovel. Dad, Dad, do I have a shovel at all? Shut <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good uh, moment. I hope they go the other route, which is why Batista attacked him, which is because, I mean, if you go back to Evolution, they fucked Batista pretty hard <laughs> until he won the title. So you could just play off that a little bit. I think they should go that route. Maybe get Orton involved. Let's we'll have a whole a whole. They teased the evolution thing before. Let's just do the do the whole evolution. Let's get all the crew in there. But yes, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a great segment, and I think it did a a, a lot for Batista coming back and them not just being like, "Hey, here's Batista. Isn't that cool? You guys like Batista, right?" Yeah, I agree. So, everyone, to let you know what happened afterwards, there was no dark match, but we had these legends in the ring. I also loved uh, going back and seeing Steamboat giving everyone chops on his way out and Seth Rollins, uh, you know, selling the shit out of it. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, But we had Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers come out, and the friends of Rick are not really that concerned. They're just chilling in the ring. And uh, Jinder tries to start some shit, sweet shit music, uh, angle slam through the cake in the table and then uh, sweet chin music to one of the Singh brothers uh, and a suplex to the other from Kurt Angle. I was hoping Sting was going to get a scorpion death drop, but they didn't probably pay him enough. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and Steamboat didn't give any chops, but still, I got to see a couple sweet chin music, so that was pretty damn sweet by itself. Let's move on to SmackDown Live. Remember when I said, Chris, earlier that we were going to be able to have a short show today? <sighs> All right. So, yeah. so uh, quick, update, oh. quick, quick, quick update on uh, quick update on Becky. I just got tweeted by my friend who just started watching wrestling on Twitter. Becky has said that she has posted fail, and she is now available to travel to the next event. So just kayfabe. There is mugshots, and Becky has posted fail. Um, thank you for that update. I was very concerned, and I'm glad that she posted bail. Keep kayfabe, everyone. Try to do that, remember. And if you don't know what that means, stop watching wrestling. 
Anyways, Stephanie and Shane open SmackDown with a contract signed between Daniel Bryan, already in the ring, and then Kofi Kingston, who came out with the New Day. Shane and Stephanie recap Kofi's career before welcoming him to the ring. After Kofi cut a promo, Daniel Bryan signed his title match contract. Before Kofi could sign anything, Vince, very unexpectedly and not coincidentally like he did with Becky, interrupted him and announced that he needed a bigger you know, draw someone, someone that actually is box office and uh, replaced Kofi for fast lane with Kevin Owens. After the commercial break, Owens, Shane and Stephanie, uh, he told them that, you know, he wanted to team up with Kingston. He had nothing to do with it. You know, what was he going to do? Say no. So we don't, we, we have this thing that, that there might be a chance that KO's not, he's still kind of bad, but we don't know, or they can go the full baby face thing. Um, but you know, what, what pertains to this and what I'll let you, you know, answer, we had been hearing that Kevin Owens is probably going to be the person that's going to go against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Uh, the fact that they abruptly did this and changed the fast lane match, could they be pulling an audible and having Owens go against them? at Fastlane, and then DB going against Kofi at Mania, and why the hell would they put Kofi in Mania if he's not actually going to win the title? So how did you like that opening part, and what do you think about that based on what we saw? I think that the relationship between Vince and Kevin breaks down into a point where you get KO as your Austin, and I think we saw an allusion to it in the last match. So I don't know how they're going to work that out or how that's going to happen. But I feel like that they, they're looking at that as by having Kevin Owens hit the stunner as a finisher, it's kind of just right there in the sky of him being that guy. And he should have been that guy when they fucking brought him in against John Cena. So I think that's where they're going, which means him losing at fast lane by some kind of fuck over won't matter. Um, and it makes sense because he is the guy that headbutted Vince. So it could just be Vince fucking him. And then you still get Kofi and Brian at Mania, and you have Kevin Owens versus whoever, or it doesn't even really matter. You could just have Kevin Owens interfere. Sammy? Shit. <laughs> no, not Sammy. Poor Sammy and Kevin. Stop putting them together. Let them have separate careers. They're both good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I like the segment. I think it's interesting. I don't. I think that they are going to lean towards Kevin Owens being the face, but I think they are going to look at that and go, hey, "That Killstein kill shit was pretty good." Hopefully, if not, they're going to get you know a good Kevin Owens heel that is their heel that they have lose twenty times, which hopefully they don't go that route. You could just have Kevin versus AJ. That would be my guess of what probably will happen because they don't have anyone for AJ to face yet. I feel like they set up Randy Orton in him, but that could also be a definite possibility uh, in itself. We also had a return, though, of two guys that are, you know, they were trying to do a separate thing, but pulled back together. But they were in uh, North Carolina, the home of the Hardys. Hardys came out to go against the bar, and Jeff Hardy won, uh, pinning Sheamus after his Swanton bomb. Then we have the U.S. title match. R-Truth defeated both Andretti and Rey Mysterio. Comes out says that John Cena was the biggest inspiration. It was so funny with Carmella saying, I, I believe you're older than John Cena, and him just playing this off and him doing the open t- title thing. Then you have Andretti, you know, coming with his whole package down to the ring, you know, 
doing everything, and then Ray's music hits. He runs, elbows the crap out of Andrade, gets in the ring. They get into a three-way because Carmella convinces our truth to do that because um, that's what Cena would do. Uh, and it was a fun fucking match. Our truth is so good for his age, especially so fast. I would love if they don't just do Rey Mysterio versus Andrade. If they maybe throw Ricochet in this match with our truth and make it a four-way for the U.S. title, maybe a ladder match, it would be money. Or Mustafa Ali, for that matter, if he's back and they don't have anything for him to do. But three of them had a great match. Uh, my favorite spot was when Ray went to go do his like new thing where he slides outside and Andrade gave him a drop kick in there that I thought that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, our truth was able to get Ray who was doing a double six one nine and roll him up for the win. Uh, fun match afterwards. Charlotte uh, recap Ronda Rousey, giving the raw women's title back and said she was going to be on Monday night raw and she was going to demand from Vince that she becomes the new champion. Chris, out of these three things, what do you like about them? No, Ron Killings is a badass. Former TNA champion, former WWE heavyweight champion. Badass? Nah. Yep, no, fucking Archer deserves way more than he's been given. Like, fucking Ron Killings was fucking great in TNA, and he was awesome as Kate Wick in WWE, and he's never, I mean, the only push he got was a comedy push as the little Jimmy thing when he had the title and winning against um, John Cena, and the only reason that changed is because uh, John Morrison left. So, it sucks. I fucking love R-Truth. He deserves more. Give him, give him more shit because he is actually really good in the ring and very entertaining. And he can be a great heel when need be. So I hope they continue down the road of R-Truth until he breaks up with Carmella and becomes a heel. I think that'd be really fucking... Um, I liked all of this. I thought SmackDown was really, really well done. Uh, it's just... It, the Carmella thing, they, like the John Cena thing was really fucking funny to me. And... Um, funny for all the right reasons, right? Because it does throw back to John Cena's open challenges that he was doing until Kevin Owens beat the shit out of him. So I, I like it. It's a throwback KO. They can look, they can loop that in. They can do a bunch of cool stuff. I, I really enjoyed this entire SmackDown. I really enjoyed. I don't have a whole lot of negative to say about it. I had some negative stuff to say about raw, but raw is three hours and SmackDown's like a, a tight hour. twenty five. I, I completely agree with you. I think all of it was awesome. And with Charlotte, I thought that her promo was great. Uh, really, now with KO there, you have Kevin Owens, Charlotte, the Usos, um, the New Day. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, everyone. Carmella's amazing on the mic. Uh, the Miz is – it's basically all their strongest promo, guys. Samoa Joe, all of them are on SmackDown, um, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Uh, so then we had Ricochet and Aleister Black going against Rusev and Shinsuke. Man, Aleister Black and Shinsuke Nakamura seems like such a fun fucking match if they get to do that. Nakamura attempted the uh, Kinshasa Black reverse with a black mask. Awesome. Uh, a lot of fun. AJ came out, cut a promo, returning to his glory. He talked about SmackDown being the house that AJ Styles built. He said, he said that he had lost, he had nothing um, to say, you know, to excuses, if you will, uh, and that he was going to prove why that it was the place that AJ Styles built and Randy Orton came out and uh, they had an intense stare down. He disproved of that theory. Lacey Evans came out again. I don't give a shit about that. Uh, before we talk about the Kevin Owens, Kofi Rowan and um, Daniel Bryan match, uh, what did you like about any of that other stuff, Chris? I like the concept of AJ Styles versus Randy Orton because I think it's the, the combination of two different wrestling companies and different wrestling styles combined. 
Orton hates spots. I do too. And <laughs> Styles, yeah, not a spot fest guy, but has been a guy that's wrestled in the X division. I like the idea of that match. I hope it's really, really good. And it, it throws shades of Orton versus Seth Rollins at Mania. When Seth yeah. got fucking RKO'd out of the uh, curb stomp. Yeah, oh my god, that's that. probably one of the best best RKO's. One of the best of out of nowhere RKO's of all time. So that's one that you should check. So I look forward to that. I do think that'll be a good feud. I would still look at Orton somewhere else and cuz I think Styles versus KO is is probably money, but it makes sense with what they're doing. Um you could get Bray versus KO too cuz Bray's out there um somewhere hiding. But uh, yeah, like I, I really, I really, I really, I, like I said, I pretty much enjoyed most of this show. I, I don't have a, a bunch of stuff to say. I kind of want to save it until we get to this last match because we have a few minutes left. All right, so let's get into it. Ko Kofi against Rowan and Daniel Bryan. This was an awesome match. Uh, great tag style, um, and basically, I mean, we kind of went over it. And Chris, if you want to elaborate within the match itself. You know, Kevin Owen tried to go for the pop-up powerbomb. It didn't work. So what did he use for his finisher but the Stone Cold Stunner? And pinned Brian uh, and won the match. And, uh, you know, sucks the whole Kofi thing. They're really – by the way, KO looks great. His arms look huge. He lost weight. I like the new tattoo. Uh, just a really good display of him, keeping the story going. And it just adds layers, man. WrestleMania is around the corner. Obviously, some of this stuff, the ramped up in story, could be the fact that WrestleMania is close. That happens. But this was a fun SmackDown after a fun Raw, and this was a great, uh, another great way to end it. I think. Um, what did you think, Chris? I think it was. I think it was great. Like I said, I think Kevin Owens will spin off to something else, and you're going to get. I, I honestly, at this point, I do think you're going to get the Kofi Mania moment that we kind of all want. Um especially with everything that's happened at the Oscars and the Super Bowl and, and the way that um, even companies are promoting different items and, and being more quote unquote woke. <laughs> I feel like that we definitely might get the Kobe moment at mania kind of wish it happened at fast lane with a little less and then build to another match. I think KO is they're going to do a stone cold thing with them. So we'll see what happens. I thought the match itself was great. It was really awesome to see Kevin Owens back. Cool to hit the stoner. I'm excited for the future with SmackDown specifically, and I like what they're doing on Raw. I just hope that they introduce the right NXT stars to Raw and figure a way to work that out. And then also, like, can we get Adam Cole, baby, up pretty soon? And that was my no recap. No kidding. That's the bottom line. Just yeah, and, and, and Velveteen Dream, too, for that matter. Yeah, it's been a great episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Check out Geek Vibes Live for everything, gvnation.com. Uh, check out Geek Vibes Live on Sunday nights. Uh, and every Wednesday, we got Wrestling Geeks Alliance, 7 p.m. EST. Check out our website. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Blog Talk. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace out, and let the Geek Vibes be with you.